Good morning, church. How's everybody doing? Good. Well, it is great to have you guys at City Hope with us this weekend. Let me just welcome everybody that's watching online and all of our other locations and the guys in Holman Prison. It is great to have everybody with us this amazing weekend. Um, we are in this series called True North, and we're going to get to that in just a second. But first, real quick, um, tonight I want to tell you about something that's very special that's happening tonight. Um, we're having a creative night right here at Malvis campus, and I just want to encourage anyone that is artistic, musician, uh, cinematographer, designer, um, writer, anything artistic or creative, I want to encourage you to come out at tonight at 6. It's going to be an awesome night. Um, just a way for us to connect all the creatives and, and grow together and, and encourage one another. It's a, it's, they're always an incredible night, uh, so tonight at 6. Um, are you guys enjoying True North so far? Yeah? It has been absolutely awesome, and it's been so great because we have such an amazing team. Um, and I've told you guys that the last couple of weeks, that we absolutely have the best staff on the planet. Um, every single one of our guys, and you're only getting to hear just from a small percentage of our team over this series, um, but it's so, so great because our team is just so, so good. Um, so, so far it's been awesome. Today is going to be incredible. A lot of you guys know today's speaker. Um, uh, the guy that's coming today that's going to be bringing the word, you're going to love this. He is absolutely incredible. And he spent about six to six and a half years right here at the Malvis campus as our student pastor. And then about a year, year and a half ago, he went across the pond over to hang out with the Mobilians. Um, and he's now the kids pastor over in Mobile. Some of you guys may know who I'm talking about. So I want you to help me welcome the one, the only, Josh Sullivan. Everybody give him a hand. Thank you so much. You guys can be seated. Well, it's good to see everybody. Before we get started, I just want to say a very special, a very special welcome and shout out to City Hope Mobile. Love you guys. Miss you guys so much. Um, can't wait to see you next weekend. Last weekend, Pastor Jonathan forgot to say anything to um, City Hope Mobile, but we have no time for those shenanigans. I told Pastor Jonathan, I said, you know what? I'm going to come up here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say hello to everybody except for the Malvis campus and see how he likes it. He's like, but Josh, they're in the room. I said, I don't care. They'll know what's up. Well, guys, it's so good to see you. I do want to say a special thank you um, to Pastor Jerry and to Pastor Trey. It's such an honor for, um, to be here and to be able to do this. I'm so thankful. It's a privilege, and um, don't take it lightly. Well, listen, I want to start right into this. Um, we've been in this series called True North, and you've heard a little bit about where this came from, it's uh, about our life verses. And so I just want to remind you what a life verse is. It's this right here. Um, a life verse is a tool that will help people stay centered on God's call on their life. And it will help bring clarity to what matters most. Okay? And it's a verse, I love this, it's a verse that calls out the best in you. It calls out the best in you. And it will bring comfort in you and for you in the hard times of your life. So um, my life verse, it actually changed about three and a half years ago. I didn't know it was called a life verse. It was like my go-to, but now I understand what that is. And so, so it, my life verse changed about three and a half years ago, and I just want to share that with you guys right now. It's very familiar. Um, it's John 10, 10, and it says this, that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life 
and life to the full. Hey, I want to pray for you guys real quick, and if you will, we'll just pray together. Lord, I thank you for every person that is listening to your word, to this message today. God, let it um, pierce their hearts because it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Let us grow in you. Let us uh, fall more in love with you. And God, let us move from existing to living in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. I just want you to just ask yourself that question. You might know the answer to it. You may not know the answer to it. But am I existing or am I living? Because there is a big difference. And God went through a pretty big ordeal by sending Jesus, his one and only son, so that we wouldn't just exist, but that we would live and have life to the full. So today, just when we're going to talk about life, you know, I love my life. I'm, I've been married going on 11 years this year to my wife, Faith. We have four kids. We love our church. We love where we live. I love the Gulf Coast. Anybody else love living on the Gulf Coast in here? Good stuff. Good stuff, man. I love it. You know, we have some of the most beautiful beaches that you will ever find right down the road from here. Any, anybody else love the beach beside myself? Yeah? Yeah? So you can be that beach person who loves the beach, you know, hanging out, getting sunburnt and all that other stuff. And then, the, you know what, you can just make up your mind and go, you know what, maybe I want to be a little bit more of a country bumpkin. I'm going to go four-wheeling. Maybe go find a little hunting, a little fishing. You know, you can do all of that right here in the good old Gulf Coast. I love it. I love it. Not to mention the food. Anybody like food out there? Yeah. Love food, love food, you know. You can, it's just the craziest thing, you know. We have like this southern cooking that also has like some Louisiana, New Orleans type feel to it. So you could wake up in the morning, have biscuits and gravy for breakfast, crawfish for lunch, and then have some of the best barbecue ribs you can ever find right here in the good old Gulf Coast. You know what I'm saying? It's good stuff. It's good stuff. Y'all act like y'all don't love food. I see every single one of you right now. You're like, I don't love food as much as I used to. Yeah, you keep sucking that gut in. We're going to all see what you're talking about here in a minute. But it's all right here. You know, we have the opportunity just to live this great life in this great place with great people, with all of these great things all around us. And the, the sad part is, is that there really is, there's just a lot of people who just exist and don't ever really live. They don't ever really live. And so today, I just, I, I want to give you five things that I feel like will help you just to move into that full life that Jesus wants you to have. And so we're going to start right out here. And, and the first thing that I want to talk about is, number one, is that life should be submitted. Life should be submitted. You know, if you really want that full life, then you have to submit and surrender your life. You know, this is one of the hardest parts for people. It's one of the hardest parts for people to say, okay, God, you have complete control. You have complete control. And so we love to know God in all kinds of different ways, all kinds of different ways. We love to know God as provider. You know, when, when something happens and there's not enough money in the bank, we're calling on God to be provider. You know, if we're between jobs, God open the door. Lord, send a check in the mail. Somebody, you know, we need, some, we need to open up that thing and, and there's, you know, there's Ed. Woohoo! <laughs> you know, um, Lord, provide. You know, we love to see God come through in the clutch. We love that. We, know, we love to know God as healer. We love to know God as healer. You know, when, God, when, when we get sick or one of our family members gets sick, you know, we want, we want God to do a miracle. 
We'll start praying for miracles. God, be healer. We need you to heal. We stand on your word. Heal. So that's, that's God doing his part. We love that. We love to call on Jesus as Savior because Savior means that we are forgiven, that we have a brand new start, that we are made new, that we love that. But that's all God doing something for us. The reason why this part, submission, is so hard is because that's our part. You see, God can't make you submit. God can't make you hand over the keys to your life. But if you want to live a life that is full, and if you want to live a life that is abundant, and if you want to be all that God wants you to be, and do all that God wants you to do, then you have to live a life that is submitted. Everything short of a life that is submitted is merely existing and not living. It's existing and not living. And God wants you to live. See, God has this plan for you. He has this purpose for you. You hear us talk about these things all the time, that God has a destiny for your life, that you are here for a reason. The only way that you will do that and be that is through submission. Submission to the Lordship of Jesus. See, it's different to call him provider. It's different to call him healer and savior. We need to call him Lord and be submitted to him. The second thing is, is this right here. Life should be lived and not wasted. It should be lived and not wasted. So many people go through their life focusing on all of the wrong things for way too long. Just way too long. And so what happens is, is we can get really, it can be really easy to waste the life that we have. We only get one shot at this. We get one shot at this. We have one life. One life. Okay? We have one life. We have one chance. We don't need to waste this. We have to live it. It's got to be lived. Let's talk about um, how, how we can do that better, you know? We need to focus on the most important thing. 2 Corinthians 4.18, it says this right here. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. See, we focus on the wrong things way too much. Let me help you see this a little bit more. If you're a person and you focus on your work and your career more than your family, what you are focusing on is something that is temporary versus something that is eternal. See, you can't take work with you into heaven, but you can take your family. See, one of these is temporary, one of these is eternal. We have the opportunity to do something in life that echoes throughout eternity for, the, for, for all of eternity. We have the, the, the privilege to live a life like that, but we have to focus on the right things. You know, when I was writing this, I felt so strong, strongly just to say this, and somebody needs to hear this, that work is not life. Work is not life. It's a part of life, but it's not life. Man, family is eternal. People are eternal. The things that, you know, work doesn't echo throughout eternity. People do. Family does. So we got to focus on those things. You know, I want to say this. You know, every single one of you are influencers. Every single one of us have influence. Every person was made with influence. You know, it says, um, statistics tell us this, that even the most introverted person will influence over 100,000 people in their life. Even the most introverted person will influence over 100,000 people in their life. We are constantly making decisions that are influencing others. So my question to, do, to you is, is what are you doing with that? 
What are you doing with that? See, if we get more focused on what people think and what people are, are, are saying about us, more than what we should be doing for God and using that influence to serve others and lead others, then we're more concerned about something that's temporary, the thoughts and, the, and, and, and all of the, the social status with men than we are of plan and purpose with God as for our life. One's temporary, one's eternal. We have to use those influences, those, the resources that we have. We have to do all of that. And, and, and um, we have to live a life and not waste it by focusing on the things that are eternal and not temporary. Number three is this. Life should be invested. Life should be invested. I just want to ask you a question, and you might know the answer to it, and you might not. But what is your greatest investment in your life up until this point in your life? What is your greatest investment? Well, I'll just tell you. It's relationships. God created you for relationships. Relationships go right along in line with what I was just saying. Relationships are eternal because people are eternal. And not to mention, God created you for relationship. God made you for relationship. That's what it's about. If you don't believe me, let's just, let me just ask you a question. How many of you woke up today and was like, man, you know what? I hope everybody hates me and nobody likes me and nobody talks to me. <laughs> nobody was like that. Nobody said that. But what we, did, what we did do is we woke up this morning, we brushed our teeth, we got dressed, because we didn't want people talking about our hot breath. You know what I'm saying? We were made for relationships. We wanted people to talk to us. So when we walked up to them, we didn't say, hi. <laughs> and they go running the other way. No, we're built for relationship, man. We're, it's, it's incredible. That's what it's about. We are built for relationship. And so God made us that way. Think back. Let's put the rewind button on. Back to maybe those college days or those high school days, back when you were single and ready to mingle. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying. You worked hard, man. I remember those days when jail first came out. You know what I'm not, not like, not like, no, like hair jail. Man, these guys walked up in, in, the, in the school one day, and their hair looked like pine straw. Just as hard as a brick, son. Foof. Jail. They were like, man, I look good today. I said, you look like you got electrocuted. <laughs> just a bottom line. But they were like, I want to look good, man. And so, you know, I, you just rewind. Man, I remember whenever um, back in 2003, I was in, at college, and I remember uh, looking across the campus one day, and I saw my, my wife-to-be. She didn't know it yet. She didn't even know who I was. I said, I'm going to marry that girl. Um, but I remember, I, you know, I started dressing a little different. I started carrying myself a little different. I started tucking my shirt in, you know, and I kept a, a, whole, a whole thing of dentine ice in my pocket all the time. <laughs> Because I didn't know where she was going to be when she was going to show up. I could have just ate something terrible in the cafeteria. You know what I'm saying? Have that just stanky onion breath. Here comes a dentine ice. Save the day. Single, ready to mingle, looking for a relationship. We're all like that. We're made like that. You, it's just who we are, and that's, a, that's okay. These are our greatest investments. These are our greatest investments. Relationships, because they're eternal. 
So I want to talk to you just a little bit about investments today, okay? So here, here's the deal. We always have the opportunity to invest in people. I love what Pastor said a couple of weeks ago. He said this right here. He said that God doesn't need you, but he chose to need you. God chose to need you. God chose to need you, and he uses us through relationships because they're eternal. It's our greatest investment. And we have this opportunity every single day. You know, workers, invest in your coworkers. Workers, invest in your coworkers. You know, I did student ministry here for a long time, and, and, I, and I work with kids now. It's just incredible. I tell them all the time. I'm like, invest in your peers. Teach them. Show them the way. Do it. You know what? If you're a senior citizen here, I want to just say something to you real quick. We need what you have. You have to invest in others. You have to invest in the generation below. There are things that you know about work ethic and, and parenting and just loving people. That doesn't need to disappear in this world. Let me just say this. It doesn't matter who you are, how old you are. You have something to offer. You have something to give. Invest in others. Invest in others. I want to take just a minute here, and I just want to talk about parent, to, to our parents for a second. You know that we have 18 years, 18 years with our kids before they graduate and they move out, which means 18 years, that is our greatest opportunity to invest in our kids. Our greatest opportunity to invest in our kids. Statistics tell us this, that when they move out of the house, our influence drops. It just plummets through the basement. And it's not because you love them less or because they love you less. It's just because they're not there every day. It's because they're not there every day. Right now, you have them in your house where they are. Every single day, you can influence them. You have 18 years to show them what a healthy marriage looks like, what healthy parenting looks like, what it looks like to be a healthy follower of Jesus. You have that. You have that right here. And you think, well, that's 18 years. That's a lot of time. I want to show you this. Uh, I came across this app whenever uh, I was at a conference this year, and it's called the Legacy app. And as you can see right here, this is my oldest daughter, Olivia. I have four kids, Olivia, Ava, Jake, and Caleb. You can input all of these. And basically what they do is, is they count down the days until they graduate high school. So as you can see right here, my daughter, she's eight years old. So I have 458 weeks, 3,207 days, 7,600, excuse me, 76,956 hours, that many minutes, that many seconds. I've embarrassed myself enough already. I'll, I'll just go from there. All right, so look, that's how much I have, and you're thinking, Josh, that's 458 weeks. That's a lot of time. Nope. <laughs> that is not a lot of time. Let me prove it to you. Caleb right there, who's on the end, he's two. We have 771 weeks left with him. See, I have this here because I want to intentionally invest in my kids because they're my greatest responsibility, they're my greatest investment, and I don't want to sleep 458 weeks away, or I don't want to be gone whenever I could be there for them and with them. We have to intentionally invest in them. You know, one of my favorite things about the Gulf Coast is that we are right here in the mecca of college football. Amen. Any college football fan, any college football fans out there? Yeah. Yeah. You know, we get to have two of the greatest football teams play right here every single year. It's just incredible. Of course, I'm talking about the University of Alabama. Any Bama fans out there? All of our locations, big roll tides. 
Big Roll Tides, and then also the South Alabama Jaguars. You know what? I've left one out. I'm sorry. I don't want to offend anybody. UAB is back, baby, and they're back in a big way. Guys, I have a, <laughs> I have a serious problem when it comes to college football. I really do. Um, a serious problem. It's okay. Look, October 31st is a holiday in my house, and it's not because it's Halloween. That's Nick Saban's birthday, okay? So... <laughs> I'm, I'm personally going through freedom classes this year. Pastor Dale told me, he said, again, Pastor Dale told me, he said, Josh, this is going to help you out. This is going to help you out. So I'm going to go through that. But last year, again, I'm a huge, huge college football fan. Last year, I got to go to the Alabama LSU game with some friends, and it was just absolutely incredible. Um, one of those great games, you know, one of those classic SEC matches, you know, because that's where real football is played. Um, and so classic SEC matches, and, and we're going and... Um, we're going down and we're about to score and then all of a sudden our running back, he, he fumbles like right next to their goal line and we're thinking, oh my gosh, here we go. They're going to score, they're going to win and we're going to have to walk out of here with all these LSU fans just being terrible to us. You know, that's what we were thinking. And then instead what happens is, is our defense bows up, they hold them to a field goal. We only go down by three. So we, um, right before they kick the ball off to us, they go to a TV timeout. So that means everybody who's watching on TV cannot hear what is happening in the stadium. But when you're in the stadium, you hear something that goes like this. The PA announcer comes on and he goes, Excuse me, fans. When this game is over, do not rush the field. And so I'm sitting there and I'm going, Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? And he said, Do not rush the field all high and mighty and arrogant and over there my heart's broken do not rush the field there's 30 some odd seconds left do not rush this field I'm like what are you talking about rush the field what are you Auburn <laughs> come on man act like you've been there before and so anyway <laughs> Jesus help them um, so <laughs> So anyway, <laughs> so anyway, we're there, and they kick the ball off to us. The most incredible thing happens. We, we make some big play. We come down there. We get down to the goal line, and we kick a field goal. We send it into overtime. And so I'm over there as a college football fan, just as giddy as a kid at Christmas. You know, I'm going, <laughs> <laughs> And so we end up going and scoring, um, and, and uh, we win the ball game. All right, we win the ball game, and the place is just crazy. All the Alabama, we were like, whoa, whoa, and I kept going, we were here, we were here, we'll always be able to say that we were here, you know? And then, um, then some LSU fans walked by, and we were like, we were here. <laughs> we were here, man. Because you got to be careful, those people will cut you. <laughs> crazy. Crazy. So yeah. So the whole way we're like covered, trying to find something purple to cover up, you know, so they don't, they don't, they don't jump us or anything. We were here. You know, this is an awesome time with great friends and a great relationship moment. Just awesome. And and I just got to thinking about, you know, even if, if my kids being my greatest investment. 
going, you know what? When the recitals happen and after 18 years, I want them to look and go, Daddy was here. Daddy was here. You know what? When, when my heart was broken because I got bullied or I got picked on or whatever it is, Daddy was there. When I, when I scored in the game, you know, whenever I made that big tackle, whatever it is, I want my kids to go, Daddy was there. Daddy was there. My greatest investment, my greatest responsibility, my greatest investment. It's just so important that we as parents are there. I want to say something real quick to just dads. Because dads, we have such an important part of making sure our kids make it to heaven. There's this book out right, right now called Why Men Hate Going to Church. And there's this statistic that just is crazy. It says this, that when a woman gives her life to Jesus, that 17% of the family follows. When a man gives his life to Jesus, 93% of the family follows. Yeah, man, it's incredible. It's incredible. Let me tell you something. We have to do our part, man. We have to do our part. We have to be the spiritual leaders. We have to be the ones who are being the example, and we have to invest in our, in our wives and our kids. They're our greatest investment. Number four, life should be about making a difference. It should be about making a difference. You know, it's been said that this generation is the most cause-driven generation to ever live, and I think that's incredible, and I love that because there's so much need out there. But the, the, the other thing that I believe so wholeheartedly is that the local church is still the, hope of, is still the hope of the world. And this is the best place to give your life. It's just the best place to give your life. You know, church statistics tell us this, that 80% of people will never get involved in church. Will never get involved in church. Let me say, you know what, there's prob you could probably find all kinds of reasons why you shouldn't get involved in church. But there's one big reason why you should. Because all lives matter and you have something to offer. You have something to offer. You have something to offer. And every life matters. And your life matters. You have a plan. You have a purpose. It needs to be about making a difference. So I want to read this scripture to you. And then I've got two questions for you. And we're going to close up here. But it says this right here. In 2 Corinthians 11, 23 through 29, it says, I've worked much harder this is Paul writing to the church in Corinth, by the way. It says, I've worked much harder, been jailed more often, beaten up more times than I can count, and at death's door time after time. I've been flogged five times with the Jews, 39 lashes, beaten by Roman rods three times, pummeled with rocks once. I've been shipwrecked three times and immersed in the open sea for a night and a day in hard traveling year in and year out. I've had to ford rivers, fend off robbers, struggle with friends, struggle with foes. I've been at risk in the city, at risk in the country, endangered by desert sun and sea storm, and, be and betrayed by those I thought were my brothers. I've known drudgery and hard labor, many a long and lonely night without sleep, M many a missed meal, blasted by the cold, naked to the weather, and that's not even the half of it when you throw in the daily pressures and, and, and anxieties of all the churches. When someone gets to the end of their rope, I feel that desperation in my bones. When someone is duped into sin, an angry fire burns in my gut. Did you hear all that that guy went through? That dude's struggle was real, you know? Think about all that he went through, all those hard times, all of those hardships, and, and all of that just so he could make a difference with his life. Just so he could make a difference with his life. And guys, we will make all kinds of excuses not to get involved. 
Make a difference. Make a difference. Get passionate about something. You know, I, I want you to listen to this again. Did you hear those words? It said, when someone gets to the end of their rope, I feel that desperation in my bones. What are you so passionate about that you feel that in your bones? When someone gets duped into sin, I have an angry fire in my gut. What is it that when, what, when you see something, what is it when you see that you just get angry about it? And you go, something has to be done. You know, I just want to ask you this question, and maybe you know the answer, maybe you don't. But what breaks your heart? What breaks your heart? You need to know what breaks your heart, because one, what breaks your heart, that, that's not something that just got there on accident. Something that breaks your heart is a God burden. It is a God burden. God put that in you. And not only did he put that burden in you, but he gave you all the gifts, all the talents, and all the resources, and even the energy, okay, to do something about it. Because that's my second question, is what are you doing about it? You know, what breaks your heart? What are you doing about it? Is it adoption? Is it sex trafficking? Is it nursing homes? Is it homeless ministry? Is it single moms, kids, teenagers, broken marriages, abused women, addicts? What is it? What breaks your heart? And what are you doing about it? Every single one of those things that I just mentioned right then, you can get involved with right here at City Hope Church. One of my favorite things about our church, I love being a part of this church, because we don't just talk about being the church, we be about being the church. Amen? And I know that's jacked up English, but that's how I wanted to say it. And so, so here's the deal. What breaks your heart and what are you doing about it? What are you doing about it? What makes you feel that desperation in your bones, that angry fire raise up inside of you? You know, the best way to not stay focused on you is by serving others and loving others. You know, we've talked about so many things here about... Um, Investing in your kids, living, making a difference, being submitted. My final thing that I want to say to you is just this, is, is don't get stuck. I want to tell you a reason why this um, verse became my life verse. You know, a, a lot of people talk about the first half of that verse, you know, that the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy, but that Jesus comes to give us life and life to the full. This became my life verse about three and a half years ago. The reason why this came my life first is because about five years ago, um, my wife and I, uh, we found out that we were pregnant, which we have four kids, so that happens often. Um, and, um, um, you know, um, we were so excited, so excited, so thankful. You know, we had uh, been to the doctor. We had just found out there was going to be a little girl. We, um, right after that appointment, we found out, we knew it, we found it, we decided what we were going to name her, so we, heard we were going to name her Liliana Claire, um, go back to the doctor the next time, they start looking around and they say, hey, listen, we're finding some co complications, we're seeing some things going on here, so what we need you to do is, is we want you to go see a high-risk doctor, so we said, okay, before we did, all of the pastors, we were, we were together, we prayed, we believed, we go to the doctor, and, uh, man, we had to see the doctor over and over and over again. We got bad report after bad report after bad report. We just kept praying, all of the pastoral staff, we just kept praying, believing. 
and uh, went back to Pensacola, saw a specialist, and the lady said, you know what, I see this all the time, you guys are going to be okay, it's going to be great, it was the first time we had a good report, we, get all, we leave that appointment, she said, the only thing is, probably going to have to have the baby in Atlanta, so we get on the phone, we leave, we start calling the pastors, the pastor was out of, out of the country at the time, we started calling all the other pastors, letting them know, our parents, we just start celebrating, we finally got a good report, we finally got a good report. And they said, well, come on home. We said, we've got one more appointment in just an hour. We go right to that appointment, and one hour later, um, after we had the best news, the best report, and um, the doctor over there was checking my wife and goes, I'm so sorry, the, baby, the baby's passed away. The baby's gone. The baby passed away. The enemy tried to rob me, steal, kill, and destroy that to this day is the hardest thing that I've ever went through. We came back, went straight, we called the pastors, they started praying. We called some of the elders in the church who have a sonogram machine at their, um, at their home. And we went to their house. And we prayed, looking at my wife's belly, just believing for hours and hours and hours that Jesus was going to raise our little girl up that Jesus was gonna raise our little girl up. We called her name, we prayed in faith, hours and hours and hours. Ended up going home um, to try and get a little rest. Um, I prayed all night long. God, raise my baby up, raise my baby up, bring her back, bring her back. We ended up having to go to the doctor um, the next day because we were so far along that we actually had to deliver the baby. And I said, let me tell you, before you take her in there, they said, it's time. I said, before you take her in there, you check her again. I said, I've been praying all night long. She's going she's gonna to be alive. She's going to be alive. She didn't make it. I can't tell you why. I don't know why. And at, for the longest time, I thought I needed to know why. I don't need to know why anymore. That was one of the hardest things in my life. And the only reason why I can stand up here and tell you this story is because of the work that the Holy Spirit has done in my heart and in my life and these four things. These four things. Submission. Because I was submitted to Jesus, I already knew his voice and his heart. I want you to know that this situation, it rocked my world. It rocked my faith. I was preaching every week at the time. I wouldn't get anywhere near a faith message or a healing message. Wouldn't get anywhere near it. It rocked me at my core. But I knew his voice. And that's what guided me. I trusted his heart. And knowing that he was for me is what comforted me. I was living and not wasting through this time, I kept trying to serve and kept trying to keep the focus off of me and what was going on with me and my wife. And after a long time of hurting and a long time of doubting and just being angry, I couldn't stay there. See, I was stuck. You can't get stuck. You can't get stuck. I was on the verge of wasting my life away. I was on the verge of hurting my family hurting my marriage. You know that when people lose, when, when miscarriages happen, that that's one of the hardest things that a marriage can go through. Because what, what, what some people can use to bring close together, others use, and, and the devil wants to use to tear that apart. 
So if you're hurting like that today and that's something that you've been through, God wants to bring you closer. And he doesn't want the enemy to, to tear you apart. You see, I spent a lot of time doubting and I was angry on the verge of wasting my life, my call, my purpose. And then God reminded me that it was time to live again. Invest. Two days, two days after we lost Claire, we celebrated my oldest daughter turning three years old. I will never forget my wife crying, looking at her across the table, my wife crying as she lights birthday candles for my daughter. I was mad. You know, celebrating life while grieving is one of the hardest things that you can ever do, but it's one of the best things that you can ever do. You know, I remember just being so mad at God and literally saying these words that this is not living. This is not living. This is not living. Two years later, two years later, we're celebrating Olivia's fifth birthday. And it was in that year when she asked Jesus into her heart. You see, my greatest investment is my kids. And I love pouring into other people's kids. And I love pouring into other people's um, teenagers. But my kids, my relationship with my kids are my greatest investment. The enemy wanted to rob me of that. Wanted to rob me of that. Wanted to rob my kids of a, of a healthy father. See, we can't let him still kill and destroy for us. We have to keep in, investing. making a difference five years later this year one week after our Easter services I got to baptize my daughters it was one of the proudest days of my life as a dad they publicly showed their faith in Jesus church I just be honest with you if God would not have restored me if I wouldn't have went through these things and if the Holy Spirit would not have done a work in my life, I can honestly tell you I don't know where I would be because it affected me everywhere. As a husband, as a father, as a pastor, as somebody right here at this church, the guys that I work closest with, they will tell you that who I was in during that time was not me. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. He wants to rob us of everything, of our marriages, of our relationships with our kids, of our purpose, he wants to take that from you. He doesn't want you to walk into your destiny. He doesn't want you making a difference. You know, the crazy thing about pain, the crazy thing about pain is that it demands to be felt. Pain demands to be felt. Pain demands to be felt. And I'd love to tell you that if, if, if you have Jesus in your heart, you never hurt again. I was 15 years into a relationship with Jesus when this happened. 
pain demands to be felt. Here's the point. The reason why this is my life verse is because I got to a point in my life where I needed clarity. I needed the best to come out in me. And I had to remember this, that it's the enemy that's trying to steal, kill, and destroy. And that it's Jesus that's wanting to give me life. And so I had to take that hurt, take that pain, put it where it goes, because it wasn't God that wants to do that, because God doesn't do that. And this is what God reminded me of. He said, Josh, he said, pain is real. And the enemy may be able to hurt you, but he cannot stop you. Because if I am for you, who can be against you? You know what, I, I just want to pray for you today. All across this room, if you will, just bow your heads, close your eyes. You know, if you're here today, and you say, man, I am hurting so bad. I have real hurts, I have real pain. I, I, I believe you. <laughs> I have been there, but you've just been stuck. I want you to know that God is here to remind you today that he wants you to live again. You know, the thing is, is about, the thing is, is if when we live in hurt and pain, we will, we will only exist, and God wants us to live. So if you're here today, and you say, Josh, that's me, I'm stuck, I'm in hurt, I'm, I have pains, I have real hurts, real pains, if that's you, I just want you to raise your hand, because I just want to pray for you, I see you. Hey, I see you all over this room, all over this room, that's incredible. All across our campuses, raise your hands high. Don't be afraid, don't be ashamed. We're gonna get free today, it's gonna be awesome. That's what I wanna do. Just all across our locations, I just wanna pray. Jesus, you see the hands that are raised. Lord, these are your sons. These are your daughters. You know their pain, you know their hurt, you know that they've been stuck. But Jesus, you're the answer. You're the answer. Lord, right now today, Heal the hurt in their heart. Heal the pain that's in their life. And start them on a road to recovery. Whether it's in their marriage, whether it's in their kids, whether it's in their, in their wherever it is, wherever that pain and wherever that hurt's coming from, God, restore. Because you do such a great job at restoring. And bring people close to you. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed still and every eye closed, if you're here today and you say, Josh, I don't have this first thing right. I just need to ask Jesus into my heart. I've got to have Jesus. I need to know that he's the Lord of my life. I need to give him control, give him the keys. If that's you, if you need Jesus in your heart today, right where you are, just lift your hand up right where you are. I see you. Anyone else? I see your hand. That's awesome. All across our locations, that's incredible. Raise them up high. That's incredible. So awesome, so awesome. Just at all of our locations and everywhere, just say this prayer right out loud. Say it with me, say, Jesus, thank you so much for dying for me so that I could know you. I'm so sorry that I've sinned and that's hurt you. Forgive me, come into my heart be the Lord of my life and give me the strength 
to live for you for the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, amen.